Yes. Tyler, can you grab this for me as well? Yes, we're going to jump right in, uh, continuing in the book of Genesis, and we're going to talk about the story of Joseph today. Glory to God. It was a wonderful men's advance. Uh, man, I'm impressed how many awesome preachers and teachers we have grown up right here in the river of life. Man, it's just amazing. All of the testimonies and all of the words shared was, was beautiful. Uh, we appreciate our brother Matt Clark and Terry Poland and all, and Danny and Jeff and all the ones who helped organize and put it together. It was glorious. Amen. Beautiful. Let's go with me first to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. 2 Timothy 2, verse 20 and 21. The Bible says, in a large house... There are articles of not only gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes, and some are for ignoble purposes. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Hallelujah. Father, we're so thankful that is your desire and put in us to be vessels of honor for your glory. Teach us through this message and this story of Joseph. Let us learn uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Vessels of honor are noble, fit for the master's use, sanctified holy. That word sanctified church is set apart for God's use. Set apart, called out of the world redeemed from the fallen nature of the world, taken and made right with God and set apart, sanctified, holy for His use, for His glory. We want to give ourselves wholly and fully to Him to be filled with His presence and carry His name and His glory. That word honor or honorable church is used over 180 times in the Bible. Glory and honor are in His presence. Sing forth the honor of His name. Honor and majesty are before Him. That word honorable, we're talking about, oh, praise the Lord, you know, highly esteemed, highly regarded, worthy of merited respect, characterized by integrity and honesty. Wanted to be... Uh, and this, this weekend, we talked about being kingdom men, uh, kingdom men for our wives, for our families, for our jobs, for his glory, amen, with integrity, with soundness, uh, guided by a sense of duty, an unimpaired condition, that word integrity, honorable, unimpaired by the former junk of the world, before the former bondages of the world, the former things the devil had you bound with, and now we've been praising and singing about the Lord setting us free, setting the captives free. So he removed the chains and redeemed our life, and now we can be a vessel of honor with soundness, with integrity, guided by a sense of duty, unimpaired condition, no longer impaired by the fallen nature of the world, but, you know, been changed and transformed. Perhaps, you know, many of us in the past, you know, we weren't a vessel of honor. It was a vessel of dishonor. 
You know, we weren't honorable men or women of God. But, um, you know, we, we lacked many of things. Lack of concern for ma matters of honesty and, and integrity and character. Perhaps instead of bringing glory to His name, we brought shame to the name of our family or our people or our God. Well, praise the Lord, because of our Lord Jesus Christ, He can forgive us from everything in the past and give us a brand new start, hallelujah, and cause us to be vessels of honor for His glory. Amen? And I'm so glad when He cleanses us by His blood, He cleanses us once and for all and puts this potential for His glory inside of us. And as we walk it out and step it out, we go from glory to glory. So there's good news there. In um, 1 Peter, excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 1, he says it this way in verses 8 and 9. For if you possess these qualities, he's talking about these qualities of brotherly kindness and integrity, soundness, the qualities of the divine nature. So we had the nature of the lost one. And then we've been born again with the new divine nature of God. So now inside of you, church, the believers, is the character and nature of God. And if we have these qualities of His in an increasing measure, praise God, it goes on to say, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, everyone say increasing. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, we as believers, we no longer want to be ineffective and unproductive in what Christ has done for us. What He has done for us is so good, we want to give our all to Him and be effective and productive in our Christian walk. Amen? We want to be men of integrity, men and women of integrity, uh, vessels of honor set apart for His use, for His glory, to glorify God. We were created to advance His kingdom and spread His glory around the world. Hallelujah. Advancing that kingdom. The Bible talks about Samuel being a, a man of God, highly respected. 1 Samuel 9, 6. He says, man, we don't know what to do. Well, look, well, let's go to, I heard of a man named Samuel. Amen. Let's go to him. He is highly respected and everything he speaks is from God, and it always comes to pass. Amen? So we want to be speaking the Word of God, highly respected. And guys, we have the, the power for this, church. He has given us as, as cleansed by the blood. He cleansed us, remember, in order that He could live in us. And I'm trying to remind the body of Christ around the world, wherever we go, that the reason He cleansed you by His blood is that so He could fill you with His Spirit. He cleanses you because He longs to be with you. He loves you so much that while we were sinners, He sent His Son to fix the problem, to cleanse your sin in order that He could live in you and be a part of your daily life. I say it like this many times. I'm hoping you're catching this and repeating it sometimes to your family and friends. Amen? The cross was the price, but Pentecost was the prize. The cross was the price He paid, but the goal He had in mind for going to the cross was Pentecost that He, in the Spirit of the Lord, could live inside of you. Do you see it? 
So if you have the Spirit of the Lord inside of you because you're a Christian, amen, you can know and have confidence that you have been cleansed. Amen? You have been cleansed by the blood so that God Himself who created you and could now dwell with you. This is His reason, His purpose to dwell in you so that you could spread His glory. Hallelujah. So we're going to be talking and looking at the life of Joseph in, uh, in the Old Testament, in Genesis. And we can see in the life of Joseph that it's a type and shadow. That story, the whole life of Joseph, which goes, takes up a big part of the end of Genesis, is really probably the most clear uh, prophecy type of Jesus Christ in all the Old Testament. We look at it and we see Jesus and Joseph was mistreated and rejected by his own brothers. He was persecuted and he suffered for righteousness. We know that Joseph went from the pit to the palace. Amen? He went from a struggle in his life being rejected and God raised him up to rule all. He was exalted to the right hand of God. And Joseph also, he was exalted to be in command of all of Egypt and by providing that grain, hallelujah, when all the world was in a famine, he became in the Old Testament the savior of the world. So it's a picture, and a, reading the story of Joseph is prophesied in reading the story of Jesus, becomes the savior of the world. And at first, his own brothers did not recognize him. He's been exalted and they didn't recognize him. And Jesus wasn't recognized when he was here on earth by his own nation, by the Jewish people who had rejected him. But praise God, hallelujah, there's a time coming when they will re receive him at his second coming. When, when, he, they, when all of uh, Joseph's brothers came again to Egypt, then he revealed himself to even the brothers. Amen? Well, praise God, there's a time that Israel's going to recognize our Lord Jesus Christ as Savior as well. Amen. Hallelujah. So it's a it's a real good prophecy. The whole story of Joseph, we can see how it relates to Jesus all the way through. Praise God. Now, let's go with me there. Let's go to Genesis uh, chapter 37. Genesis 37. We'll begin in the story of Joseph with his dreams. I'm titling this message. Joseph steps to honor the different steps and tests he went to to be a, a man of honor, hallelujah, keeping his integrity throughout all the tests. Joseph, from dream to his destiny. God had given him a dream, and before he reached the potential, the fulfillment of the dream, there was many steps he had to go through, learning and walking through the different circumstances and situations he went through. So go with me to Genesis 37. And let's begin in this story. Verse 2, this is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending flocks with his brothers. We'll just follow all the story together. With his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel, Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, the beginning of that nation, loved Joseph than any more of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. 
And he made a richly ornamented robe for him, that coat of many colors. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and would not speak a kind word to him. So here we see it starting off. And again, you see the results of the fallen nature. One, I want to just tell you ladies, God never intended for any of those Old Testament men to have more than one wife. Yet through the stories, you're reading the Bible and you see it. You look at the very beginning, God created Adam and Eve. So all of this thing that happened, every time there was more than one wife, there was also a lot of trouble in the family. Amen? And this idea that, you know, Joseph or Israel loved jo jo um, Jacob or Israel loved Joseph more than, oh, that's not good either. We're not to show that kind of favoritism and one over the other. But praise God, God was showing us something. What he was showing us is that he favors you. You have the favor of God. Praise the Lord. You can think of it this way. In all the world, I'm God's favorite. Amen? God have an intimate relationship with each and every one of us. Amen? And praise God, he treats you with the favor of God. So he's showing that Joseph chosen out by God, he had a special favor on his life because there's a calling in a future that we're going to see. Amen? But praise God, in the natural, you know, it was wrong, treat one over the other, and these with jealousy and hatred toward him. So I want to tell you, we look at these guys sometimes, and praise God, we see their result, but we also say, hey man, these people had some struggles in their life too, Amen? There's more than one wife that created a lot of tension in the family and also brothers hating each other to the point of wanting to kill one another. So there's a problem there. Amen. So we look at it, but God had a plan and he uses this family. Praise God. He uses this family, Israel, called out of the world to begin to reveal himself to all of us. So he, and they had it, this story and they wrote it down. Praise God. So we can begin to see a picture Joseph had a dream, verse 5. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Now, folks, sometimes God will give you something that you're to sit on for a little while. <laughs> okay? You know, let's don't be like that. Everything that our mind thinks uh, comes out of our mouth. Amen? Sometimes God will give you some things, and the purpose of it is, is to speaking to you, and you've got some things to go through. Amen? Sometimes there's good friends and close ones you can share with, but it's not all, all the time to share everything with everybody. Amen? Joseph had a dream. He shared it right away. His brothers hated him all the more. Verse 6, he said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out of the field, and suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while all of your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Well, when you're the youngest brother, you know, that's not really a good dream to tell the rest of them, okay? But he said it, and God gave him that dream for a reason and a purpose. And God was going to fulfill, and it was a big reason and a purpose, not because he didn't like the other brothers, no, but he wanted to save them. Amen? Hallelujah. Reconciliation is always the heart of God. His brother said, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. 
Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11, star, 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told this to his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him. What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and all your brothers actually come to you and bow down before the ground to you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his fathers kept this in mind. Now, church, you've been reading Genesis in these two months along with us. And praise God, we as the body of Christ know the end of the story. That yes, it happened just like Joseph dreamed. Amen. We know that in the end of the story, Joseph rejected and go through this life that we're going to look at and see the different testing he went through about his character and see that God was with him. And then in the end, God exalted him to be the ruler of all of Egypt when the rest of the land, the world around them, was in a great famine. And man, it was through Joseph that they stored up these great grain piles. Kingdom of heaven, praise the Lord. Prosperity, these great grain piles given by the word of the Lord, and now they had the answer to everyone's need in all the nations around, including Jacob and his other sons and all their wives and all their children and all their people. They had to come to Egypt and they had to bow down to Joseph and request. They didn't recognize it was Joseph. They just knew he was the ruler of all the land and they had to bow down to him and he supplied salvation for them all. Amen. Hallelujah. So the dream came true, and we see it at the end of the story. But praise God, it was a time from Jacob, from Joseph having the dream to the dream being fulfilled, and there were some steps on the journey to his destiny. You have a destiny. Your destiny is to be like Christ. Hallelujah. Your destiny is to shine with the glory of the Lord and to have that shine out from you. And the destiny of the body of Christ is to be one together and one with him and be filled with his glory and take it to the ends of the earth. And we are stepping out in our destiny already. And we are growing in revelation and knowledge of who we are in him. And as we grow in the knowledge of what he's done for us and who he is, but then who we are in him, we take another step in reaching our destiny. And step by step, we're going through this journey of life. But I'm telling you with all confidence that we're going to reach our destiny and be transformed into the very image of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ being one and filled with his glory and shining it all over the world. That's what you have, hallelujah. And God is going to dwell with us forever. Hallelujah. So praise the Lord. We are a people of destiny like Joseph was a, a person of destiny with a call on his life. Glory to God. So we see this, this happening. Romans 5.17 says, and we like to, you know, this is River of Life 101, the book Destined to Reign. We are destined to reign in life. Praise God. Look, let's look at it. For if by the trespass of one man... Death reigned through that one man, Adam. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace, that's us, and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through this one man, Jesus Christ? Church, praise the Lord. 
because of Jesus Christ and the gift of grace and righteousness, you are destined to reign in life now. Not in the sweet by and by when you lay this body down and you make it to heaven, but he has given you everything you need to begin to reign in life and be an overcomer of the fallen nature all around us. He's, he's given you what you need to reign in life now and forever. Amen? You are destined. Say, everybody say this with me. I'm destined to reign. Hallelujah. And that destiny has already begun. Praise God, you're a Christian. This life, this, this reigning life, this authority, we sing about it today, praise the Lord. I'm so glad, I'm so glad that God has, has psalmist today that writes the word of the Lord for the church today and they're singing it and proclaiming it. And I'm so glad I go to a church that when the praise team gets up and sing, they're proclaiming the word of the Lord for today. Hallelujah. When we're singing those songs, and I like what uh, Victoria said, you sing it out and participate in it, and when you participate in it, you're stepping into it. Amen? You're stepping into what you're singing. Your mouth is proclaiming to your body and to your mind the words of the Lord through the song. Hallelujah. He's always done it that way. Through the songs of the, of the Lord. He's always, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's a good thing. We're going from dream to destiny. Let's go on. Genesis 37. We'll pick it up in uh, verse 19. Joseph was going out to meet his brothers and they saw him in a distance. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Man, talk about a dysfunctional family. Maybe you've had brothers and sisters that wanted to kill each other, but these guys actually were trying to carry it out. They didn't just say it, you know, they didn't just threaten it. They were about to do it, you know. So they had a plan. They were going to kill him and tell daddy that a ferocious animal got him. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand of him. Reuben said this because he thought to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. Praise God, he had one advocate for him, huh? Out of that bunch. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, that richly ornamented, we call it, the coat of many colors. Praise the Lord. I tease my family. My wife got into quilt making lately, and um, she makes beautiful quilts. And do you know, the first one she made was for me. And it was, I, I call it the quilt of many colors. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, she's made them all a beautiful one, and now she's making them for the grands and continue, and praise the Lord. But when I pull out mine, I still call it the, coat, the quilt of many colors. Anyway, praise the Lord, because um, I'm her favorite. <laughs> Hallelujah. They stripped him of his robe he was wearing. They took him and threw him in a cistern. Now that cistern was empty, and there was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites 
coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded down with spices, balm, and myrrh. And they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Now, think about this. You know, Joseph, who God had a plan for and a destiny to be the savior of the world at that time, you know, by having everything from the kingdom blessed so much that he was going to overflow from the kingdom and bless the whole world. Amen. And now, but the one through whom it's coming is now in a pit. So he's in, the, in this pit. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up from the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him from Egypt. Man, when God able to do restoration, Judah, one of the brothers, actually from the line of Judah comes Jesus, you know, and yet he's, he's um, you know, he's betraying the Savior here. Just like Judas betrays the Savior for 30 pieces of silver, here they're betraying the Savior for 20 pieces of silver. That's just a little show. It's only a foreshadow. Jesus is the real Savior. He's worth more. Amen. So praise the Lord. They, they're selling and say, hey, look, why should we just, he's our, he is our brother. Let's don't kill him. Let's make a buck off this thing and sell him. Then we'll take an animal and cut it up and put it on and take it back to daddy and lie to our own father and tell him that a ferocious animal got him. You know? What a horrible thing. Jacob had this child in his older age. It was his favorite because he was older and all of a sudden had another one. And yet, so they did this thing and were, were selling him off, selling off the brother that had a, a call on his life. You know, he was, he was in that pit. You know, but God's, God's hand was upon him. He had his favor. He had a destiny inside of him. And yet, at this point, he's, he's sold and he's in the pit. I just want to relate this, a couple of scriptures they can put on the wall for you. Lamentations chapter 3, as uh, the prophet Jeremiah, in writing this book, it's not one we go to very often, but in chapter 3, he's prophesying, verse 52 to 57, it goes on to say, Those who were my enemies without cause hunted me like a bird. They tried to end my life in a pit. They threw stones at me. The waters closed over my head. And I thought I was about to be cut off. You know, you can relate this prophecy not only to Joseph here in the pit, but also Jonah, you know, in the belly of the whale. And our Lord Jesus Christ, who was persecuted for righteousness, and, you know, I, I've been to Jerusalem and went down in the bottom of Caiaphas's house where there was a dungeon. And in the bottom of that dungeon, we were able to walk down and there's this hole. And many Bible scholars believe it was the pit where Jesus spent a few hours that night before they raised him up to go crucify him. And, man, we got down in that very place and it was kind of awesome thinking our Lord Jesus was in this very hole we're standing in right now. 
under the high priest's house. So this verse in Lamentations talking about not only Joseph in the pit, not only Jonah in the belly, not only Jesus, maybe talking about all of us who have been in the pit. And he prophesies and he goes on to say, verse 55, I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ears to the cry for relief. You came near when I called and you said, do not fear. Praise the Lord. So he, he, he raised, raised him up. It goes on. You came near when I called and you said, do not fear. Lifted him from that pit, from that miry clay. It tells us also, look at Jonah. They'll put that on the wall for Jonah chapter 2. And we'll look at it in verse 2 through 6. Jonah 2. He says, In my distress I called to the Lord, and He answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help. And you listened to my cry. Can any of you relate to this? Being betrayed, being rejected, being cast out from family, friends, being in the bottom of the pit, looking like it's all over, have nowhere else to go. Maybe you've been in a prison cell that way or wherever you've been in your struggle, and yet you cry out from the depths of your soul. You cry out to God. He says, you hurled me in the deep into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All the waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. I'm going to look to you, God. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. To the earth beneath the, the earth barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O oh Lord my God. Hallelujah. Can anybody relate to that? Has your life been brought up from the pit in the depths of despair? Everything, here's Jeremiah's prophesying and talking about this. Let's go back to our story in Genesis and we'll pick it up in chapter 39. Genesis 39. Verse 1, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in the eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and entrusted to him everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of everything they owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had, and with Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Folks, I want to make a serious point here looking at this in the life of Joseph. Joseph 
was rejected, thrown into a cistern, and then sold by his own brothers. When he got to Potiphar's house, uh, Potiphar, a person, an official in Egypt, who bought him as a slave. Now Joseph, who's, you know, one of the heirs of the covenant blessing of Abraham. Do you see how this relates when we're teaching on Genesis that just a few chapters before, God made a blood covenant with Abraham, and in that blood covenant, He says, I will bless you and make your name great, and everything you do is going to be blessed. I'm going to bless you, and you're going to become a blessing to all. Well, Joseph is an heir of the covenant promises of Abraham. God made that covenant to Abraham and his descendants, and his descendants are Isaac and Jacob and Jacob's 12 sons. So Joseph, who has been circumcised as a sign of the covenant, he's entered a covenant with holy God, and God's going to keep his covenant even if his brothers threw him in a pit. You see? So the covenant, praise God, is kept by God, hallelujah, because he's faithful to his word even when the brothers were not. God is going to be faithful. So he's a covenant man. So even he's been in a pit and even now he's a slave in Egypt, God's covenant blessing is still with him. Church, you're a covenant people. The covenant blessing Everything listed in Deuteronomy 28, you're blessed in the field, you're blessed in the country, you're blessed in the home. The fruit of your womb is blessed. You're blessed at everything you put your hands to. The covenant blessing of Abraham is upon all of us who believe in Christ Jesus. So here he is, a slave. Man, it's not looking good for him. You know, he could choose right now to be bitter, to be a moaner and be a complainer, And look at all the bad that happened to me. Why, God, did you do this to me? And start blaming God. All this struggle we go through and stuff. God, I've tried to do this, I've tried to do that, and look, look where I am now. That wasn't Joseph's attitude. For he knew something. The Bible says here, Verse 2, put it on the screen and look at it in your word. Everybody see it. The Lord was with Joseph. Everybody say this with me. If you're a Christian and a believer, if you're not, you can be. You can have him with you by the end of today by believing. Say this with me. The Lord is with me. Was the Lord with Joseph when he was in the cistern? Was the Lord with Joseph when they stripped him and sold him? And he walked behind a caravan bound all the way to Egypt? Was he with him on the second day when they got up, started walking again? Was he with him on the whole journey? Was he with him when he could have been thinking in despair? Oh, it's not good to be a a believer. I'll just go and do get back in things of the world. I'm going to break out of here and and go live my life for the enemy. Uh, I'm trying to live for God. It hadn't helped me. Look where it's got me. Did he say that? The Lord was with Joseph in the middle of all that. He got to the slave market. And there, man, he's naked, whipped, beaten, and looked at, and they're checking his teeth and looking over him like an animal. And Potiphar decides, okay, I'll buy this one. He looks like he could help clean my toilets. And buys him as a slave. 
But the Lord God was with him, and he had a future and a destiny according to the word of the Lord that God had given him. It doesn't matter where he is right now. He's going to recognize, God, you're with me. Now watch this. Potiphar could see that God was with him. And he prospered. The Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord was, is with us. And the covenant is confirmed like this. He said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm promising through my word, I'm making a covenant that I'm going to bless you and you're going to be blessed in everything you touch and it's going to overflow to others. You're going to be a blessing to others. And the covenant is the blessing promises, all the promises of God, and you're in covenant with God and God is with you. So everything you do, praise the Lord, walking with God, hallelujah, you can set your mind to that, Lord, I'm with you. I've given you myself wholly to you, sanctified, set apart for your purpose, not my will, but yours be done. Now I'm stepping out in your will as a kingdom man, hallelujah, as a covenant person. Now everything I do, praise God, is going to be in your will and everything is going to be blessed and prosper. You're walking with the Lord in his presence. Everything you touch is going to be blessed and prosper. Oh, are you one of those prosperity preachers? Oh, I believe in prosperity. It's the word. Because this way, he confirms his covenant by blessing you. He confirms the covenant he has with Abraham by you stepping into it, and now you step into all of the blessing. And he confirms his covenant in your life. Hallelujah. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house with his Egyptian master. He was a slave. When the master saw that the Lord was with him, how could the master see? Was God following around Joseph in a glow like an angel or something? Was he walking and there was a, a glow walking behind him? Did, did, was Potiphar looking and see the glow of God where he walked? Is that what he saw? No, what did he see? How could he tell God was with him? He saw everything Joseph touched was blessed. He saw the prosperity. He saw when he put Joseph, I want you to clean the toilets every Tuesday. And man, when he walked in there, he said, wow, this is the nicest cistern I've ever walked into. This guy's blessed his work. He wanted him to polish the floors over here. And when he got them scrubbing, they shine better than any, any, any other slave he had. Whatever he put him in charge, Joseph was diligent and dutiful to work out as what he's working for his master. He recognized the Lord is with him and he's working for the Lord. Whatever you do, do as unto the Lord. And God will prosper it. And let your workers and your co-workers and your family see something's about this guy man when he turns that mcdonald's burger he turns it better than anyone else and everything you touch is blessed and everything you do is blessed and that that worker say i want to keep this guy in my business because my business is blessed because of him when you're working for someone don't think of it working to make your money you're making your boss money and as you see that i'm working for the lord then he will give you more responsibility he will raise you up hallelujah Amen. i told you last week responsibility is a response to your ability using it for the kingdom so god was with him and the master could see that god was with him because he saw Everything he touched was blessed. Hallelujah. 
So the master raised him up. He put Joseph in charge of everything and entrusted to his care everything he owned. Verse 5, from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Whatever work, whatever job you have, God wants to bless that employment, that place of business because of you. Because you brought the kingdom to that place of business. You, you carry the kingdom. The kingdom of God is within you and the Lord is with you like Joseph, hallelujah. Even better, New Testament, the Lord is in you and now you walk with God and when you step into Walmart, the whole place is blessed. I step into the line, that long line at Walmart, or even that little checkout thing with all my stuff, and everybody in front of me and back is blessed. I'm speaking faith, right? I'm just telling you the word. How do you carry this out? You go into work. Well, you say, well, Brother Dave, you don't understand my, my job. There's a bunch of, it's dark, man. There's a bunch of evil there. They're cussing. They're fussing. They have negative attitudes. Well, praise the Lord. That's why you're there, to bring the light. Are you going to be overcome by evil, or are you going to overcome evil with good? Amen? You're there to shine the light. You're there to give a testimony. You're there to speak life. You're there to bring the kingdom to the earth. As Joseph brought to Potter, Egyptians, man, they worshiped all kind of false gods. He could have said, well, man, I was in the covenant of Abraham. My, my grandfather's Abraham. My, my father, you know, my grandfather, great-grandfather's Abraham. My grandfather's Isaac. My father's Jacob. We're in the covenant, and look where that got me. I'm not going to church anymore. I tried going. I tried giving. And man, God didn't send me a check in the mailbox. He'll bless everything you put your hand to. You got to put your hand to some stuff. <laughs> not putting your hand to anything. You can't bless it. He blesses what you do. Which, so you got to start doing. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, let's go on. It goes on to say, Now Joseph was well built and handsome. Interesting. At the men's conference the other night, I found out through the little storyline we did with posters that they were picking, um, picking traits. You had to pick like a trait from each person and then make a superhero drawing with that trait and that trait. Do you know a lot of the guys' traits with just four men picking traits was good-looking? <laughs> As a matter of fact, you take the different traits and then you make some sort of super Bible hero, you know? In, in, in our youth pastors group, when they designed the, the, the superhero, it came out looking like the splitting image of Andrew Skull. He was the leader of that group. And, and whenever they drew the superhero, it has his jacket and his shirt and his pants and his mustache. So we kind of think, hmm, interesting. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I could get bogged down. It was, it was funny. Between him and Tommy Mathis, we could have a comedy night here if we wanted Joseph was well-built and handsome, 
And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Wow. So here he is, men. He's been rejected. He's been cast out. He's been made a slave. And now this master's wife wants to sleep with him. He could be thinking, well, I tried God and that didn't work, so I'll just go this way. He could be thinking, you know, if, if God was blessing me a part of the covenant, you know, and I wasn't a slave, and I said, so, well, you know, since I'm in the depths of despair anyway, and you could justify a lot of stuff in your own mind, can't you? You can go through, through some things and, and be tempted in this way or tempted in that way and start Satan give you ideas of how you can justify it. Well, this or well, that. Huh. It's a test, folks. God has a destiny for you and wants to train you up to reach your destiny. And there's some tests you have to pass. And if you failed them in the past, praise God, you've been forgiven. Now pass it this time. You know, you'll keep taking the same test till you pass it. So let's get over it now, all right? Let's get over it now. You know... There's studies that show men all over the earth are now more addicted to pornography than it's ever been. Not only outside the church, but in the church. Why? Because even when you're not asking for it, it comes jumping up on your phone. And all the videos you click on Facebook and stuff, then the next thing pops up and there she is. You don't have to go hide out at a, some store in another town to buy a magazine out of the back row. There's a lot of Christian men would never do that. Scared to get caught. But when it pops up on their phone and nobody's around, they click it. Wives, start taking a look at your husband's phones. <laughs> Hold them accountable. It's good for them. Tell them you're going to do it. I'm telling them you're going to do that. My wife does. You, did, <laughs> you didn't call me today. Let me see who you're talking to. <laughs> Hello? Come on, can we be real? Folks, it's time to pass some tests. That junk is out there. It'll bind you. Satan wants you to get you started in it and get, take you farther than you ever want to go. And bind you longer and mess up your marriage and mess up your family through what? Staring at a picture. If you can't handle that, throw the thing in the creek. People live without them for years. In the name of Jesus, if you're bound by pornography, Jesus Christ has come by His blood to forgive you, wash you, cleanse you, and you don't have to walk that way anymore. Confess your faults one to another. I'm not calling you all up to the church to have a line here and start all that crying. Confess your faults to some good friend that you can trust. When you say that, you don't have to do that to the whole church. Oh my gosh, it's almost 12. But have a good friend in a small group in some way you can share. Y'all pray with me. I confess my faults one to another and pray with one another so you may be healed. Do you know that thing can't be healed until it's confessed? You can't hide it and just between you and the Lord. You've got to tell somebody and then say, you know, 
If it's happened to you, let your wife know and say, baby, I want you to check this thing once a week and look through everything. Or have a good friend, you can let them check. I wasn't, that's him out in my notes, guys. I wasn't going there. It wasn't even in my notes. It's just part of Joseph's story. Well, how did he handle it? Let's see. Come on, you're men of destiny. You know what? I'll share with you. In all the emails and all the phone stuff, praise the Lord. Lead me not into temptation. Lord, deliver me from evil. He has kept me from that all my life. But it's not because I'm strong in that area. It's because I know I'm weak. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. But I know I have this anointing in this earthly vessel. And the earthly vessel is weak. So now when I'm weak, let, I, let, I, let me say I'm strong because I'm trusting in him to save me from it, not myself. Amen? Hallelujah. So you also, here's what Joseph did. Come to bed with me. But he refused. He said, with me in charge, I told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. Hallelujah. Matt spoke about being great men of God. No one's greater than I am. He's given me everything. My master has withheld nothing from me except you. Because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Man, whatever temptation, whatever reason, whatever thing you might could justify in your mind, I'm in covenant with holy God and I refuse to sin against my God. Lord, I'd rather die than fall to that trap. Just kill me, Lord. I don't know if I'm saying that right. That's the way I feel. I'd rather die than break a covenant with my wife. Why? Because it's a blood covenant. Anybody who's broken the marriage covenant in the past, in the name of Jesus, you're forgiven. But let's take it seriously with a little deeper understanding of covenant from this day forward. If there's marriages going through trouble now, in the name of Jesus, bow your will to His and say, I will stay married. Lord, you teach me how to love like you love. While I was yet a sinner, you loved, you loved me, and your love overcame my fault. Let your love overcome fault. I'm almost through, I know. But he refused. How could I sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph, when? What does it say? Day after day, that thing kept trying to pop up on your phone. Day after day, that same woman was reaching out to you. Day after day, the sin of the world is all around us. Day after day, the same junk movie channels are on your TV. Day after day, there's billboards and commercials and people dancing weird on Super Bowl. Day after day, it's in our culture all around. The temptation's going to be around the world until Jesus returns. So you've got to rise up, man up, and overcome. By trusting in the Lord. And though she came day after day, 
And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. I'm not flirting with disaster. I'm getting away from it. I'm not going to see how close I can get and flirt and talk a little bit and just, you know, let this rise up a little bit and then stop. No, I'm running. I'm running. One day he went into the house to attend his duties and none of the household servants were inside all alone. She caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out the house. All them fellows out here say, I'm running. Amen. When she saw he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called to her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak. I'll summarize. This Potiphar, the leader of this, who had put him in charge of everything, now threw him in the dungeon. This boy went from the pit to being sold by the brothers to being put in charge, as, to being a slave. And because God was with him, he prospered and was blessed and everything he touched was blessed. And now, not for, not for doing wrong, but for righteousness, he's put in jail. You know, the Bible says, if you do wrong and suffer for it and you suffer well because you recognize you do well, well, good for you. But if you do right and suffer for it, now there is a test of a real man. Doing the right thing and being persecuted on your job. Doing the right thing and having people come against you. And you handle that well. Now you're starting to grow like Christ. So now he's persecuted for righteousness. Like Jesus is persecuted for righteousness. Like you, as a Christian follower, will be persecuted for righteousness. How can you handle that, fellas? He went in that dungeon, and he recognized God was with him. And do you know what happened? He prospered in the dungeon. And the jail people put him in charge of the dungeon. Everywhere this guy goes, he's the leader and in charge. God's testing him and seeing when he's going to be ready to save the world. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I'm going to pray with my eyes open for you today. Lord, all these men in here, in the name of Jesus, give us the attitude of Joseph. That now, no matter what hard time we go through, no matter what temptation, we recognize we've been made holy and set apart, sanctified for your glory. We're kingdom men and people of God because you have a destiny for us and we're not going to cut short our destiny by going our way. Lord, forgive everyone who's made the mistakes in marriage or in pornography in the past. In the name of Jesus, it's done. It's finished. It's over. The blood has washed you and cleansed you. Now strengthen each and every one to walk this out for your glory. Lord, we look forward to next week and teaching the rest of Joseph. Amen.